My local coffee shop is my Penn State World Campus classroom, giving me the full Penn State experience online. It's home to thousands of students working together with faculty to advance our careers, change our careers, or finally earn our degree. My classroom is just like every Penn State classroom because it's getting me to where I want to be. Click on the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, live, 145 Eastern Time. Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast live 145 Eastern Time. Follow the show on Twitter, Unc Sam Soccer Pod. the show on Twitter, Unc Sam Soccer Pod. Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast, live, 1.45 Eastern Time.
Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, live, 1.45 Eastern Time. Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, live, 1.45 Eastern Time. Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, live, 145 Eastern Time. the show on Twitter, Unc Sam Soccer Pod. the show on Twitter, Unc Sam Soccer Pod.
Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast, live 1.45 Eastern Time. listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Oh, good day, Armand. What's up? Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast. We are live. MLS Cup 2017, Toronto, Seattle. It's the live edition. First ever live edition, Armand. How you feeling? Yeah, first first time we've ever done this. I'm excited to uh, talk to you guys and uh, see what's going on in the world of uh, MLS Cup. And let's get it. Oh, get ready for a ton of technical difficulties. <laughs> no, we got some fantastic guests Two guests, one representing uh, the Seattle's perspective, the other Toronto will be calling in, as well as the Fox, Jeff Reuter, talking some MLS expansion. Hey, hey, but hey, let's, let's make it very clear. Our two guests are actually calling from Toronto. They're currently en route to the stadium right now, so they'll give us their live perspectives as they are at the game preparing to watch the matchup live. Absolutely, and we are super excited. And um, Armand, I, I want to begin with this because... Holy crap, it's been a long time since we've done this. We didn't do a uh, preview show last Sunday, nor did we recap the conference finals. Um, but we did that purposely because we wanted to focus on this live show, special edition. So let us know. Go ahead and tweet us, Unc Sam Soccer Pod questions. Uh, I wanted to do a special shout-out to Brian Chisel and Ethan Jenks. Jenks. They are helping me produce the show. Uh, how's it going, guys? Howdy, howdy. How's it going, man? It's awesome. That's they're they're going to be uh, checking Twitter. They're going to be reading out questions as we go along. So we are so happy they could be uh, joining me here in studio. So we're going to talk about Armand, MLS Cup. But before their leading headlines in MLS, Greg Vanny, Coach of the Year, Diego Valeri, MVP, Glotti, announced he won't run for U.S. soccer presidency. The World Cup draw. Then you have some marketing um, director, Kathy Carter, running for U.S. Soccer Presidency. Hope Solo suddenly joined, too. Uh, then you have the Tam, Gam, Ram, Lamb, Sam rules change. MLS expansion. Oh, and then there's MLS Cup. Isn't that insane? It feels like we've gone through an entire offseason, and then we're going to announce the champion of the season. 
Yeah, it's 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 honestly crazy, and the twists and turns in the presidential race have been insane. We saw Valeri win the MVP, well deserved. Congratulations to him. We saw Vanny win Coach of the Year. I mean, we saw all these things going on, and yet we still have one more game left. You, we do still you have realize, one more game left. Do you realize the World Cup every four years does not feel as long as MLS Cup playoffs? The World Cup itself is shorter. And do you know how many more games? There's 17 MLS playoff games. And the World Cup itself is a month, and I think it's like uh, – I'm forgetting how many games it is. But I, I, know, I read but it down. But, but it's, it's a funny. ton more games. You have six groups of four teams. Then you have the round 16, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, the third place match, the final itself. And MLS Cup playoffs takes a freaking eternity to get through this process. Do you remember when the first MLS playoff game was? I do, Steven. When was it? Wednesday, October 25th. Doesn't that feel forever ago? No, it, it, it doesn't. I'm sure I remember who was playing that first game. It was Chicago, <laughs> Chicago and yeah. uh, uh, New York Red Bulls. And Red Bulls destroyed in front of a crowd of 13,000. And it, now it, here we are. And here we are. Toronto and Seattle. But let, let's talk about it. What's your overall expectation of this? Uh, or, you know, what's your headline? What's your leading thought of this game? I pray it isn't like last year's final. I pray. Because last year's final, while it was exciting, uh, it was only exciting because it was the MLS Cup. If it was any other competition, it would have sucked. Um, I, I hope for a game with goals. I hope for a game with some tension, some passion. And I, I hope I hope for a fantastic atmosphere, which I know Toronto won't disappoint. And I honestly expect a much better game than last year. These teams are both better than they were last year. And now that Seattle's healthy, you have Clint Dempsey back. They added some players like Svensson, who's played really well. And going to the World you, Cup. Going to the World Cup. And then you also have Toronto. You have, you have Giovinco, Altador. You, we know what they can bring. But Victor Vasquez, part of the most underrated signing in MLS, coming in and pulling the strings for those guys. Mm-hmm. I really think it's a really mm-hmm. compelling matchup. And I'm really excited to see who's going to – if it's going to be a two, it's going to be a back-to-back championship for Seattle or if Toronto will cement themselves as the best team in MLS history. Yeah, you know – did, did we get the best teams in MLS in this final game, Armand? Did we? I think we did. We I did? think we did. We did. I think we did. I, I don't. The thing is, is Toronto goes on this historic run. I mean, an absolute historic run, right? Uh, they and, and and it's like they have a chance to go to the treble. And I'm sitting there going, like, the treble, really? I mean, how hard is it to win the the Canadian Cup? Well, it's not that hard. Right, it's not the U.S. Open. It's not what FC Dallas was last year, heading into the MLS playoffs. And then, you know, and then Seattle. I, I think the, the my big question is: Is Seattle, you know, have they cemented themselves in league history? With and 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 has it confirmed what they did last year with you know the the hot run, you know, the hot team? I think the MLS playoffs shows us that. Momentum really honestly doesn't mean anything because it takes an eternity. You grow gray as you watch these playoffs. If, if 17 games in, in, what, seven weeks is ridiculous. They could get this done within three weeks. You have a momentum. You would have uh, headlines. No, you take an eternity to talk about this game. And it, it, I just have a hard time getting amped up after taking forever to get here. No, I, I, no, I, I agree. But... um. 
I think we're gonna see more and more, especially the implement implementation of the TAM yes, and the uh, GAM ruling. I think we're gonna see more and more the best teams in MLS make it. And I don't think I think we're gonna be cutting down on those fluky runs that we've been seeing as of late. I think it'll be I think it'll be cut down a lot, and we're gonna see the two best teams. I mean, look, we're having a, a rematch, and can anyone say that these two teams aren't the best teams in the league? I mean, you can say Seattle's the two seed, but I mean, barely they were the two seed, and Toronto was overwhelmingly the best team in the East. So. I mean, can you really say that these aren't the best two teams? I really think they are the best two teams in the league, and um, they probably two of the mo- the model franchises in MLS today. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, think about Toronto, where where they've come. Uh, you know, years ago, they they freaking just struggled, right? And, and they, they sucked. They sucked. And remember the signings they were making. They were. I, to be honest with you, I I remember I. It's hard to remember some of them because some of them were, uh, it they were oh, okay, but they weren't like quality they signings. They signed Jermaine Defoe, dude. Jermaine Defoe was on Toronto before Altidore and Michael Bradley and Davinko came, and then they shipped him back. And he actually was good for Sunderland, and now he's at Bournemouth. But isn't it, it's just Toronto is one of those teams that tried, and, and they get it, and now they're reaping. They they've put the money, they put the infrastructure, and now they're rewarded with hosting back to back MLS Cups. That, that it's, it's gonna be fantastic. It's, it's just a fantastic atmosphere. The fans think about it. If if you're not a diehard fan up there in Toronto, you've suddenly been lo- launched and latched to this organization. This is your team now, the Reds, right? They're called the Reds. I think they are. Um, yeah. So it, it's you know it's fantastic. The stadium's gonna be packed. I can't wait. And I genuinely think there's this dislike among the two clubs not hate but there's uh actually we have a question yeah there was a question that came in uh the question is will this matchup mark a breakaway in talent between seattle toronto and the rest of the league what do you think oh great this is what, what i was talking about in all honesty i don't think it necessarily will mark it now but i think in the coming in the coming years with this new implementation, we're gonna see who's gonna spend and who's not. And MLS is finally saying, "Look, we want you guys to spend money and let's try to make the league better." So, I don't know if they'll do it this year, but within the next two three years, if we start seeing a pattern of who goes where, who goes where, I think we're gonna start seeing a little parity change. Uh, this is fu- it's funny to think about it because they are, in the sense, without relegation, they're they're creating this fair league, but. I think you're going to have the issue that a lot of NBA teams have, and that is it's, it's oriented around the cities. Toronto's a great destination. Seattle's a great destination. But is Denver a great destination? Is Dallas a great destination? You know, Orlando's great because of the stadium, that the infrastructure is a nice city, Florida, tax-free. But some of these, orga- some of these cities are going to, to feel the pressure all of a sudden. If you don't spend money, you are going to um, – just you know fall apart and i i have actually a question a buddy sent and he wants to know where the second leg is going to get played at armand do you, do you care to take that question the second leg <laughs> what is this is this isn't this isn't league of man there's no second leg there you go there, there you have the there's, there's your no answer there's your answer shout out to um my former co-host matt dumbler got it got it he it's a it's a run damn it joke. matt damn it matt <laughs> Uh, I love Matt. Uh, no, but, dude, I mean, Armand, you, you, I think you're going to start to see a shift in this league. Atlanta United coming out hard to spend. Now they're looking to spend again. 
any other markets right now do you see that would spend to the, to reach the caliber of Seattle or Toronto? I would have to say Portland is going to spend. Merritt Paulson is very committed to that. And also, I think we also will see a, um, I mean, like you mentioned, Atlanta as well. Um, looking around the league off the top of my head, I'm not sure as that many teams are willing to spend as much, but I think we're, we're going to see a, a lead. NYCFC might be another team too. That that just uh, ring up my mind. But I mean, outside of that, I don't see much teams that much. I think a lot of MLS teams are going to try the money ball way. You think you think analytics is going to take over? Like you know how in, in well, Cleveland well, Browns, yeah, I, the, the I really baseball. do. I really, I really think so. And I'll tell you why. Because these a lot of these teams they don't want to spend that money. I mean, we've seen it. Teams that are dead last don't want to spend, and they don't want to improve. So if you don't want to spend money, but you still want the best team, you're going to have the money ball approach. And is the money ball approach going to work all the time? Absolutely not. It's, it is a very, uh, was it, quantitative um, uh, an- analysis, which is if it's too much of that, you're kind of screwed because it misses some of the stuff that you see with your eyes. But I think we are going to start seeing that, especially with a parity shift, because remember, owners, if some owners don't want to spend it, how are they, they going to do it? They're going to try to invest in uh, much uh, cheaper players, I guess. Uh, let, let, you want to put the joke out? Who is FC Dallas rumored to be wanting to get? Well, thank, thankfully, uh, the guy who tweeted that out is is uh, always uh, messes around and says jokes. And that was one of them. And apparently uh, Big D Soccer picked it up and uh, claimed they wanted to go after some Kenyan winger in the Zambian League. Um <laughs> But I mean, thankfully that wasn't true. But I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it was true. But that's the run. You know, that's the running joke with some of these markets. New England, historically a cheap team. They spend the money get Jermaine Jones. Where do they end up, Armand? Where do they end up? MLS Cup, Seattle, Toronto. They spent money. They're in MLS Cup. This is where you want to be. Both clubs suddenly have a huge advantage. They have a the fan base. They're in a great market. They have a. Well, one of them has a fantastic stadium. The other one plays on stupid turf, which I would get rid of if I'm, you know, Don Garber, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's 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 reaching a point now in Major League Soccer history for the first time where money matters, and if you don't spend, you're not going to succeed. This is simple fact. It is. It is, and I'm glad I'm also shifting to this because it's it's time for the league to grow up a little bit. It is. It is. Um, I was want to ask, did we have any other questions before we get to our first break that we wanted to ask? Yeah, actually, a question did come in. Um, it kind of relates to the MLS as a whole right now. Um, what are your thoughts on whether, like, com- comparing the MLS to other leagues in the world, what are your thoughts on how they relate talent-wise? Talent-wise, that's a great question, actually. Um, they're... T- I don't know, Armand, you and I have been discussing this. I love my Swiss League. I still think the Swiss League has better talent than MLS. Yeah, I don't, like, the problem is a lot of people you talk to in the States try to compare MLS to the Premier League, Serie A, Bundesliga, this, that, and you have to take a step back and tell those people, look, this isn't true. Like, they're not the same level. You have to realize they're not even close to the same level. MLS, would ha- I would have to say, off the top of my head, I want to say they're maybe close uh, to the championship in terms of talent. Uh-huh. I say close, close. Well, we're gonna get we're gonna take a 
quick commercial break here. We'll be right back. On the other side, we're actually going to talk about the legacy aspect. We got some Josie out the well, no, we don't have Josie out the door, but we have some Greg Vanny, Michael Bradley uh, audio we want to get to. Um, we'll be right back. Listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. All right, we're back. Armand, let's talk about some player legacies. Ooh, I like it. Those are massive. Hot topic. Hot topic. Yes. And uh, courtesy of On Sports Network uh, Talk, our buddy Steve, who's actually going to be calling in. We had him on the show, I think, last time around. This is Michael Bradley talking about how it ranks as far as importance. Steve Gennaro on Sports Talk. Uh, Josie, Michael, for both of you, how does this game uh, rank in terms of your career as far as big games that you've played? Where would you place it? Never easy to rank um, in general. The, the opportunity to play in, in a final is, is special. And it's not something that, that comes around all the time. So we've, we've talked about that all week, which is just Over the course of your your career, uh, you know, to find teams and groups of guys where where things are different and special, um, that that's that's so unique. And we feel we feel like we have that here. Um, we feel uh, we feel so so proud of, of what this year has been for us in, in terms of from from day one everything we put into things. Uh, 
we get our, our reward or, or one of our rewards tomorrow, which is the opportunity to, to step on, on the field in our stadium. All right, blah, blah, blah. Michael Bradley goes on. But, I, you know, I was looking at Michael Bradley's legacy, Armand. He hasn't played in many important cup finals. You don't think so? He lost the 2012-2013 Coppa uh, Italia. He was a runner-up to that. I don't know if he actually played. I didn't bother looking at that. Then, obviously, last year, MLS Cup. Think about it. This is huge for Josie Altidore and Michael Bradley, as far as legacy-wise. They just failed with the U.S. men's national team. They're getting booed left and right, okay? And you know what? Great. Um, I think Michael Bradley, in the eyes of soccer, uh, not not you know little fanboys, soccer fanboys, but the objective you know reporters out there. His comments about Columbus have some validity. I think he does realize it. I think the way he handled the U.S. men's national team is a debacle. But if if he can lift this trophy tonight, this is awesome. Honestly, if he can lift this trophy, it's a middle finger to everybody. And um, I, I think it, I think for him, his sake, I think it'd be awesome. If I was Michael Bradley, I'd be. Try and win this trophy at all costs because after the year he had, after all the hate, the the booze, the criticism from the media that he's been getting, I think he if he can pull off a moment to win the MLS Cup and lift that trophy, it'd be the ultimate. Just it'd be such a like a poetic moment of a Canadian a Canadian team winning the MLS Cup for the first time, and Michael Bradley, the captain of the United States uh, American. United States team lifting that trophy up. I, someone mentioned it. Uh, you, everyone was uniting around the Save the Crew movement in Columbus. And the guy from Canada who everybody hated, well, the guy who plays in Canada, but everyone hated, crushed their dreams. So I think it's a revenge tour for Michael Bradley, to be honest. I think it's huge for his legacy. I, I absolutely agree. And I think we forget Josie Altidore is only 27 years old. So he has the legs to go as an older forward to the next World Cup. He just has to be healthy. He just needs to be consistent. Last year, he was great. This year, he's been pretty good, too. So it's not like he's poor. And, you know, I, I have to give credit to Michael Bradley because he he got Toronto to the final after kind of a shaky playoffs, you know? They, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like he's the commander of, of, of you know, this commanding, Tom Brady, LeBron James, but he is the captain of Toronto. He is the leader, and he is the face of that franchise. I mean, we have to give Michael Bradley credit. He was probably the best uh, defensive mid in in probably MLS, and honestly, a lot of people don't give him enough credit. And actually, the MVP race, I think he got 0% of the player vote and 0% of something else, um, or media vote. Something but he's else. A, I think there's a yeah. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Zero percent of what vote? The best looking? I mean, what, what are we talking about? The worst looking? For MLS man, come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. Uh, and like, wow. Um, I think he's actually a really crucial part of the, of the team, and overall, he's one of the most underrated players in MLS. As weird as that sounds. He is, yeah, I, I give you that. He, he is a good box-to-box midfielder. I used to defend Michael Bradley. I, mean, I still do when I play for an national team because he does play good at times. He really does. Well, his that goal against, against Mexico, Mexico, yeah, that was brilliant. And his game, the way they played, it was beautiful. But sometimes you're like, well, what are you doing, man? 
Like, come on, don't do stupid things. I hate, I hate when he, he tries to be this zen. And I'm like, dude, nobody cares. Just play the game. Have some – he is – to me, he's your quote-unquote emotionless player. He's just emotionless. I don't see – like, he tries to be too zen and he forgets to ask or he just forgets to show emotion. And sometimes it just rubs me off wrong because I think soccer, this game, this sport, these finals, these playoff matches, it's as much of the passion – and with the fans, that connection that can carry a team. Look at Columbus, save the crew movement. How much? How much do you think that connection to the club and the fan base carried some of that team? Yes, they were good, but there was there was that percentage where that team had that momentum and that you know us against the world mentality. The world mentality. Yeah, I feel you 100 percent with that. Hey, but we do have a question, correct? Yes. Awesome. Yes, sir. We do. Um, the question that came in is from Connor. Connor asked. Uh, how will Seattle be able to break down Toronto's defense to create some scoring chances in this game? Yeah, well, you know, it's a great question. Seattle and Toronto are both really good defensively. Uh, let me pull up the stat. I would, al- I would almost say that I don't think Seattle will have trouble breaking down Toronto as much as Toronto will have, I think, more struggle breaking down Seattle. Yeah, well, because the last... The, you, you know, uh, because... Sorry to interrupt you, Steven. No, but, go for uh, it. I remember um, a Greg, I think it was Seattle wanted, wants to sit back. I think they would, you said they wanted to prefer like a 0-0 going into extra time. And I think Toronto wants to attack. So I think you're going to see, and you saw it towards the end of the Columbus game. Um, when they push up, they leave, their, they leave their defense very vulnerable. So I don't think Seattle will have that much of a trouble uh, getting on the attack against Toronto. I think it's how Seattle responds to the pressure from Toronto on the offensive side that's going to result uh, for, um, in them if they want to win the MLS Cup. They need to respond to that pressure well, and they need to go on and, uh, I guess, uh, hit him back with a goal, if anything. Well, get this. Seattle, last time somebody scored on Seattle was October 1st, uh, and that was Philadelphia. Get And... and, and they're on a 542-minute shutout streak, the longest of their season. Exactly. So I, I I do think it's the other way around, and I do think Toronto will push up numbers. They're at home. They they want revenge. They want that goal. And um, when when you push up, when you push numbers, it's gonna leave you more vulnerable in the back. And we did see that in the Columbus. Columbus did have opportunities in the end of the game to snatch away the the, the tie, but um, it, to answer your question. It's, I don't think it's more of a matter of uh, Seattle. I think it's more of a matter of um, how Seattle responds to Toronto's pressure when Toronto pressures them offensively. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Stefan Fry wants you know a close game. Yeah, so you can do that save again. Well, <laughs> yeah, MLS MVP, MLS Cup MVP last season, but he he was he was saying, um, I, talking to reporters on a press conference this past week. I think. If we if we have it to our way, we're not going to have it wide open. I think that would be counterproductive to the way we play, and I think it's best for us. We have to find ourselves playing good games, and good games is when we're defensively sound, organized, not all over the shop, very disciplined. And this is important because they have not conceded in the playoffs. Yep. And they've yep. scored quite a bit. It's In fact, it's funny because – it's the defensive shape of Seattle that's carried them through the playoffs. Toronto, on the other hand, they've been kind of fortunate. Think about the Red Bulls game, the deflection. Crowd got very nervy, very nervy. It's just that the Red Bulls weren't able to to really pick 
the pockets of Toronto to score. And then against Columbus, you know, they got the goal from Josie out the door. They were at home, and then that's it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I think the, the counter argument to that is is the East is seems like it's a lot more tougher than the West. So was was it more of the East being tough and all of them being very close, or is it Seattle just being the dominant team of a bunch of weaker teams? Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to get Jeff Reuter, the Fox. He'll be uh, calling in here any minute, so we're going to set that up, and we'll be right back talking MLS expansion. So go ahead and tweet us if you got any MLS. Tweet us! Any MLS expansion questions. Go for it. Please. Listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. listeners joining us right now is jeff reuter covers minnesota united writes well he writes for a bunch of different little outlets esp and fc probably the biggest how's it going jeff thanks for joining us pausing your little preparation for mls cup we appreciate yeah, it no thanks for having me it's been a it's been a couple of months but yeah happy to be on and uh, really happy for uh, probably the best weekend and the best day of major league soccer's calendar if you're asking me do you have any problem with how long MLS playoffs take to get to this point? Because we were talking about this actually earlier in the show. It feels like an eternity to get from October 25th when the first game between Chicago and the Red Bulls to now, December 9th. Is that October 25th, 2016 or 2017? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's an absolute disaster if you're asking me. And I, I think the biggest thing, and Commissioner Garber actually touched on this in an interview he did with, I think it was Kurt Larson of the Toronto Sun, that he, as Garber put it, he would cut off two of his fingers just to give up that November international break. And I, I do think that that really does mess with the flow of it. I mean, you noticed with the uh, the first legs of the conference finals, it was about 12 to 15 days between games. So if you're looking at a team like Seattle who played the early second leg in the semifinals, they were waiting for over two weeks 
the other three were waiting for just under, and it really showed. Aside from Seattle, oddly enough, no team really looked ready. No team looked like they'd been prepared. Honestly, they looked overprepared. It looked a little bit overbaked. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, if it's me, either you shorten or condense the regular season to make it a little quicker. You get in probably start early October instead of late October, or you just have to find a way to make the postseason itself go quicker. No, I, 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 I agree, Jeff. It has to be quicker. But you actually came out with a report early, earlier on. Um, I think it was during regular during a regular season where you talked about Nashville being a, a potential expansion side. And then it kind of backfired on you. And mm. then, eh, not really, because then now it's, it, it, it's, it's coming <laughs> out that uh, – that Nashville looks like looks to be a I guess a a, a favorite one of the three, three sides that are mainly being targeted for that uh, those two elusive spots. So um, can you give us a little expansion update, Jeff? On what's yeah. going on? Well, I, look, I mean, it, first off, I wouldn't have reported anything if there wasn't reason to. That wasn't sure. me just trying to Absolutely. jump the gun, hot take, poor sourcing, what have you. So first off, I have no reason to believe that Nashville will not be getting one of these spots. Uh, second, there's, there's, there's suddenly been a little bit of a push internally within these conversations that are going on between uh, the expansion committee and then the greater board of governors and the owners, what have you, to possibly let three teams in from this group. I love uh, it. I, I think it's, it's less likely to happen. Uh, it's certainly the... the, the I don't know. I would expect that you'll only see two groups. That said, I think that there are a lot of owners who are getting fed up, not just with the small expansion fee, but the incredibly generous timeline that David Mm -hmm. Beckham's ownership group in Miami Mm -hmm. has gotten. And at this point, they're looking at it and saying, okay, starting in 2018, we have 23 teams. This league has always preferred a balanced conference. They always have preferred to have an even number so that they can split it evenly between the East and the West. Obviously, next year, you're not going to have that. There's a chance that you'll see a team, whether that's Nashville, whether that's Cincinnati, whether that's Sacramento, join actually in 2019, which was not in the league's plans up until about two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So now they're considering balancing out the conferences. And then there's a chance where they look at it and say, okay, we've got three legitimately MLS-ready markets three MLS-ready ownership groups, two clear stadium plans, and we'll talk about Cincinnati being the third in a little bit, I'm sure, but why not throw both of those remainders in in 2020? I think that's something that's actually being considered right now. Presentations went during this past week, and I would expect that you'll get an announcement within 10 days. What about um, Detroit, the stadium? They, they shifted that. Do you think this is going to be a problem for MLS with going to these, I mean, Atlanta, Seattle, I guess New England, but the Crafts are trying. I, I don't know if they're really trying, but they've been reported to try to get a stadium <laughs> plan. But Yeah, they're not trying, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you know I, mean, I was born in Boston, so I love the Patriots, but let me tell you, Craft for the Patriots, great. Craft for the Rebs, awful. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. not. And the funny thing is, Kraft, Jonathan Kraft, is on the board for MLS expansion. So Detroit with the stadium and Ford, and they like think it's a great thing. Do you think this poses a problem with sharing stadiums, especially when it's turf-based football stadiums? You know, honestly, Armand, I, I look at this. Uh, I look at the fact that Detroit was even thrown in as a fourth potential market, and I think that was flattering. And I think it, frankly, was something to try. 
and give a sort of sense of, again, that sort of even, okay, we took a third of these markets to consider. Detroit's not going to get it. There's no mm-hmm. reason to believe that they will get it. And frankly, the fact that they switched their stadium plan to be a shared site really hurts them, kind of in the same to a very similar extent, actually, is St. Louis. And I think St. Louis and Detroit are very comparable if you're looking at their bids. I think that they're cities, markets that on paper Major League Soccer would love to be in. They're two of the biggest sports cities in the nation, and they're in the Midwest, which is still an eternally uh, underpopulated area of the country if you're looking at Major League Soccer's map. So... They make a lot of sense on paper. That said, St. Louis was not able to get the stadium funding to pass on that first bill, and that really ruined their chances. And I think, honestly, if they had been able to get that, they would be, with a bullet, the front runner to get an expansion team. And I think that the fact that they didn't really open the door for Nashville and Cincinnati in particular. Uh, that said, Detroit, I'm not, I'm not expecting anything from them anytime soon unless that they're able to get a stadium site as it is right now, the optics of it alone are that uh, Gilbert and Co., the ownership group, just does not truly care about getting Major League Soccer. They just think, okay, well, you'll like Detroit, so here you go. Something to the lines of uh, what Baltimore was assuming in the early 2000s. That yeah, I mean, when we when we both saw Detroit bid, me and Steven looked at it and we're like, oh man, they're going to Ford Field now. Come on, but um, mm-hmm. you uh. Are there any uh, transfer rumors? I know it's not the offseason yet. I know we still have a game coming on. It feels like it, though, (laughs) with all the news going on and whatnot. Is there any transfer rumors that we should be aware of? Uh, Well, uh, yesterday I did report that there will be – or that Harrison Heath will be joining Minnesota United, which clearly is a blockbuster deal. (laughs) Uh, It's – yeah, I mean, you're going to see, first off, a lot of those kind of little – spot moves on this half-day transfer window that it's tomorrow morning. Uh, you have like a three-, four-hour window where Major League Soccer teams can complete trades. I, I do know that the Galaxy are expecting to be very active. They've got about three attacking targets within the league that they're looking at, including one in Minnesota. They uh, are trying to move Giassi Zardes, which is going to be incredibly difficult. Keep in mind, Giassi Zardes is a homegrown player, which means that his salary for the Galaxy his salary cap hit is about a third of what he's paid. If he's mm-hmm. traded, a team has to pay his full salary. So oh. essentially a team would have to be trading about you know, $600,000 worth of salary just to make it even. And that said, that would mean that the Galaxy are taking on about $425,000 of salary by moving Giassi Zardes. So he is going to be one of probably the biggest names in Major League Soccer who's actively being shopped around. Obviously, there's always going to be chatter about bigger players, but as far as players who have a chance, uh, I would say that there's about a 50-50 shot Giazzi Zardes is wearing in New Jersey by 2 o'clock Eastern time tomorrow. Oh, wow. Um, wow. The last question, expectation for MLS Cup, and then we'll let you get back to your party plans. <laughs> I would say... Uh, it's tough. I, I look at this Toronto team. Toronto's incredibly deep. Obviously, they've had the best regular season of all time. And it's really tough to see a team that can knock them off. I do think the only team that really could knock them off is the Seattle Sounders. I think this is a very hungry Sounders team. I, I like the addition of Victor Vasquez to last year's team. I think that he is an upgrade over Jonathan Osorio, who I would imagine will be in a super sub role today. That said, 
I think adding Clint Dempsey in a way helps more. I think Gustav Svensson has been a phenomenal piece to this team to the point where no one is talking about the fact that Ozzy Alonso will be missing. And I just think top to bottom, you add Will Brewer and you add Harry Ship. These are guys who know the league, who are hungry, who've been playing in the league for four or five or more years with a chip on their shoulder, really wanting to win that title. I think it's going to be Seattle. I think my boldest prediction for the game is that the Ooh. Sounders will indeed get a shot on goal this year, <laughs> unlike last year. So awesome, awesome, uh, awesome. That's awesome. And I just want to remind our listeners, actually, in our show, and I want to say in August, uh, we had Jeff on, and he did mention that he thought the Seattle Sounders were one of the most impressive teams in MLS at the time, and now they're in MLS Cup. So looks like mm-hmm. with the Fox, we have the Fox. You know, he's he's calling everything out. But um, yeah, Jeff, well, thank you for joining us again. Um, can you just give, we just want to give you a shameless plug where you can you can plug and you can tell us where you can find all your work. Oh man, okay, so it, it changes by the uh, by the <laughs> appearance, I guess. But I've got a weekly column at ussoccerplayers.com that you can check out. Comes out every Thursday. This last week's was about the Portland Timbers head coaching search. Uh, you can find most of my stuff on the Guardian, ESPN. I've got an upcoming piece in the next issue of Howler Magazine that you can check out when that comes out within the next month or so, probably. And uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Reuter, R-U-E-T-E-R. Fantastic. Thanks again, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, not a problem. Keep up the work. Good work, boys. Awesome. Thank you. Listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. All right, Armand. Thanks to Jeff, by the way. Great, great discussion there. MLS expansion. I love it. Man, I, I always like talking to Jeff because, like I said, he did say that he uses litmus tests for uh, uh, the Sounders with, I think, how they play against Minnesota or something like that. And, I mean, it was right. So, I mean... There, there, there you go. So thanks, thanks to Jeff for joining us. And I think it was an interesting expansion development, especially about uh, the um, Detroit bid. Um, I thought I must take that a little bit more seriously uh, because of how Atlanta uh, brought in the MLS team. But I think the difference between Atlanta and Detroit has to be that that stadium was made for Atlanta in mind. Yeah. No, you're right. You are right, but... I don't know, but let's focus on MLS Cup. But before that, do we have any questions that that got have been sent in? Not yet, but I I get the feeling that there will be a few coming around the corner as we get closer to game time. Though, yes, so. yes, I think at oh at the top of the hour we should right. get the lineups. Be about an hour Getting before the game. These questions coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tweet us, Unc Sam Soccer Pod. Um, Armand, last time that we've had back to back. You know, our rematches of MLS Cup, it's been the same champ winning it. Did you know that? Yep. Yes, I did, actually. I did uh, my research. You did your research. LA, 2012 and 2011, won it. Houston, 06-07 against New England. It was England. Houston, New England, right? Yeah, yes. I, remember, I remember watching those games on ABC, actually, when they were... Uh, I'm an MLS diehard, man, so... Uh, yeah, no, are you? But, uh, are you? No, no. No, but, I mean, you see the rematch, you see that these... Teams are are winning, but that is the teams are winning the rematches that won the first time. Do you think it's the same case this time, Stephen? Um, I don't know because it's how much does last year really have an effect on this year? 
Does it? I would. I, mean, I would say no. That they're two different seasons. I I just think it, it's it's so much harder to to point out the the issues with both clubs because Seattle had this hot run. Toronto had this historic run this year. Uh, his well, you know Toronto was the fr- wasn't their first time in the playoffs last year. No, I think it was a couple of years back. But it was you know maybe what the first playoff win out. I'm forgetting this, but it's it was their first playoff win. Yeah, so I, I, it's just I, I don't know. It's it's a mess. But let's talk about the game because Seattle is all time seven three and two against Toronto, including a four one one mark on the road. That, that's pretty impressive. You have to give them credit. They yeah. are very. They're very. They're, they're. I think they're comfortable in Toronto, man. Well, they are. They obviously uh, recorded zero shots on goal in 120 minutes of play last year in MLS Cup. But they beat them out in the shootout. That's ultimately what matters. Uh, you know, uh, let's talk about the big missing player for Seattle, and that's Ozzy Alonso. He did not pass a physical, will not play. Which, as Jeff pointed out, Gustav Svensson has done an excellent job of filling his role because, honestly, I didn't realize Ozzy Alonso wasn't playing. The team looks – the team just – they it, Svensson has almost been a perfect, if not better, uh, replacement uh, for Ozzy Alonso. And the team is running fine. Svensson in without him, they kind of struggle a little bit. But when they put him in the game, they look very strong. Yeah, it's it's interesting because Seattle defensively is strong, and then going forward, they have they have the talent with Dempsey. Because think about it, the Dempsey factor, massive, massive factor, um, coming back and being able to. Uh, you know, I guess lift the cup because he wasn't part of it last year. For him, this is his first real playoff experience, right? Yeah. But we we do uh, have, we have a question now. Yeah, oh, on sweet. the topic of uh, unavailable players, I guess. Um, this is a question that asks: How will Eltador's ankle be affecting Toronto's attack as the game goes on? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question because that's that. Remember, was it? What was the question? The, the Josie Altador ankle injury, and I want to bring it back to two thousand and. 13 Champions League final. Uh, Diego Acosta played 10 minutes. Well, now this wasn't. It was. It wasn't. I, I think he had some sort of hamstring or some sort of muscle issue. So it's a little bit different in this case. But Diego Simone risked playing uh, Diego Acosta and had to sub him off at 10 minutes. If Josie Altador is not 100, percent does Greg Vanny risk playing him? Because then you limit yourself with. I would. Two- I would. I would because you would take the risk. What what if it's one? Because listen, 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 okay, listen. I'm listening. We're listening. You're forgetting. You're forgetting. You're forgetting about one thing. There's going to be a fourth sub if this game goes to extra time. Okay, but what's what, what if it doesn't go to extra time? Well, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a sub. If you have to make, it, you have to make. It, but the team will the team will be fine. They had to do the the substitution multiple times when Giovinco got hurt uh, in the playoffs as well. So. I mean, they'll they'll be fine. I think Altidore is fine. He's in a week and a half to run it off and get the best treat the best treatment, and he's gonna play. If he can last forty five, he can last forty five. They have a very good backup to Salt Ricketts that can uh, that can provide a spark off the bench that can score goals, quick, pacey, and he's already created opportunity for Altidore actually um, for that header that uh, Fry made the ultimate save on. I think they'll be fine. I think you take that risk because you have a, a good backup that can go at 180 as well if you really need him to. Or, I'm sorry, 120. Not 180. That's too much. <laughs> that, that would be a really long game. I don't think we want to see oh, yeah. that. Um, but I don't know. It's 
the Josie outdoor injury is really it poses a real question because he could be employed as a decoy. You know, he could be starting. You say or he scored a goal like he did last game. Well, then, well, he was subbed off immediately. He was, wasn't he coming off before he scored the goal? It was kind of like, you know, he saw it. He knew it was he him. He fought through the pain. He, well, he fought through the pain. Great. But I, I, the big player is, I think the key player is Sebastian Giovinco. If he shows up, I don't think Seattle has the player or the defender or even the keeper in Fry to stop Giovinco because I think he is so potent. No one can stop Giovinco. Nobody. He's just a guy he's, good. And, you see his free kicks? Well, he has. The, I think he has the most free kick goals in history, league history. Some, it's insane. So I, it, it but I, I mean, what's the greater loss, Armand? The risk of pulling, or what's the biggest risk factor here? Is it is it the fact that Josie Altidore has an ankle issue, or is the fact that uh, Seattle is doesn't have Alonso? Oh, well, for sure, it's Altidore because Svensson. It has done an outstanding job. It's obviously going to be out the door. But I don't think outdoor is even that banged up. If he can go 60, 70 minutes, I'd rather have Josie outdoor for 60, 70 minutes um, than anyone else out there. Because you know he'll give you the effort and the physical presence that not a lot of players can provide you um, at that forward position. Yeah, but is is Greg – do you think Josie if, – if it comes to will Greg Vaney pull him off? Do you think Greg Vanny does will know to take him off? He did it. Yes, he will because he did it with Giovinco last time last cup when he brought him to Saint Ricketts when he had that injury. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, what about Jordan Morris? He's coming back three months off. He super is, sub off the bench. Super sub? You think so? If they really need it, yes. But I don't. I it it it, it depends. I would rather see. I honestly, for I think a best case scenario for Seattle, he is, he he plays for like ten minutes. Uh, get that's some it? like get some. I think that's like, I think that's what they want. I think they'd rather be subbing on defensive base players uh, more than the offensive. I think if if that makes any sense. I guess, but what what I think the question is: How is this game going to break down? Because if Seattle needs goal, he's great. But if Seattle's needs defenders, there's no point of playing him. Exactly. So it, it depends, but I mean, having him on the bench is really important. I think, I think it's really cool to have uh, to have to have him on the bench and have that ability to bring on somebody that can provide an offensive spark. All right, let, let's talk about the offense of Toronto. We mentioned this earlier in the show versus the defense of Seattle. Led the league with seventy four goals. Toronto did. And, wow, and it's it's a lot, but. The defense of Seattle is, I think, third best in the league, only allowing two more goals than Toronto. So, and, and then you have the factor of last year in the sense that Seattle can do this; they know they can do it. Fry knows he can do it. So, what's the you know what's the big deal? You know. So, what mm-hmm. do you what what do you if you are looking at it from a tactical perspective? What's more important, the defensive shape or the off- the offensive prowess of Toronto? Because that's where this game is going to – that's where the game is going to be decided. Is is Seattle going to be able to hold firm or is Toronto going to be able to fly and score? I would have to say it's the defensive shape of Seattle. Um, to be honest with you, the, the offense for Toronto will come. I don't think it even needs shape. It's kind of like a controlled chaos, if that makes any sense. I do think the defensive shape of Seattle needs to be uh, on point. You, you – you, the thing is, they have the perfect matchup for it. 
You have a guy like Chad Marshall, experienced, savvy veteran. Then next to him, you have Roman Torres, who's a big, strong presence. I've seen this guy in person. This guy is huge. And you put him next to Altidore, he can take Altidore's physicality. You have you have your, you have your two wingbacks, um, Nuhu and um, uh, Leardam, and they're they're both they're both quality wingbacks that know how to go up and down the pitch. But on the left hand side, you also do have Joven Jones, who is an outside uh, mid that can come back as well and play defensively as he has for much of the season. You also have Svensson. So I think overall, Seattle Seattle defensively. It's gonna be more important because I mean Toronto's offense will come, but it's it's whether Seattle will be up be up to a task or not to you know uh, ch- challenge them in that uh, on on that side of pitch or, or are they just gonna let them walk all over them? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Remember, Joman Jones is headed out the door after this. Darmstadt, Darmstadt, two. I uh, I think he played what two years in uh, in Seattle before getting um, quality getting player, man, really good player. Kind of sad to see him go. It's not to see him go. Do you think? Do you think that? Um, well, actually, we do have a question about the weather that got brought in. Yeah, we do. Uh, the question was, uh, how will the cold weather be affecting this game, if at all? I believe what? What's the weather again? It's gonna be zero like degrees Celsius, right? Something yeah, like that. basically, actually. Well, you said some snow flurries before. Yeah, our... there was. There's supposed to be a chance for some uh, small snow flurry, flurries between uh, one and two, I think. But yeah, yeah. I don't know how big of a deal that'll be. Yeah, I don't nice. think it'll affect anything. I think it'll just be cold. Well, what we can ask Steve here as he's going to join the show in the next couple of minutes, uh, we can ask him what the weather is, pitch conditions. Uh, I think Taylor Twelman tweeted out something about how the the pitch has been warmed and um, no Grey Cup this year. Yeah, no Grey Cup, so the pitch should be in better condition. So I think it'll be fine. I don't think there should be anything. I think it'll be pristine weather, pristine Toronto winter weather. Yeah, That's go my for guess. it. I think we got somebody who tweeted uh, tweeted out something. Yeah, yeah, we got another question. And we kind of just brushed up on this topic a little bit, but I guess going a little deeper, the question is uh, how are the, are, uh, what are the weakest points uh, for Seattle and Toronto in this game, and how are they going to be exploited by either side? Ooh, that's a tough one, Stevie. You uh, want to – The thing is Toronto's on a historic run, so what, what are you going to nitpick? I mean <laughs> – Well, there is some things that are relatively, I think, weaker from, from Toronto – for example, sometimes I do feel like there's a lack of a connector play, if that makes any sense. I feel like there's, all right, there's forward, and then there's defense, but no, like, midfielder, if that makes any sense. Well, no, you bring, raise a great question, because think about it. Columbus, the way, I think, I think Brian Smesher needs to play. I don't know if you can compare the two. And I don't think, I don't know if Seattle has the shape for it, but... The way Columbus was able to contain Toronto for at least what uh, sixty minutes, well, well, it was it's sixty what, minutes, 180? Exactly, but it was more, you know, a, a game and a half practically. But they were able to contain uh, Columbus. I mean, it's Toronto. But the, what, what was Columbus's lineup? They they clogged that midfield, and and Vanny had an issue of trying to like Michael Bradley. I would remember run yeah, over. they had a huge issue. So does does Smetris sign up? Uh, you know, clog that midfield because you're right. The I think as good as Michael Bradley is, and as good as the offense is, it's that middle part of the pitch that I think Toronto might have problems with. Because if they, if Toronto could set up, I mean, if Seattle could press a little bit or at least clog the space, the ball is not going to get to Davinko or Altador. 
I mean, we saw it. Columbus, Greg Berhalter put out a brilliant, a brilliant plan, and it forced them to bring on Marquis Delgado and take out Jonathan Osorio, switch to a more, uh, switch to have some guy that's next to Bradley because Bradley was being pulled out everywhere, which causes kind of the defense to be uh, kind of, uh, I guess, uh, n- naked of sorts. They had to switch formations. You saw Vandy. First off, credit to Greg Vandy for making those adjustments because he adjusted the team well and they they went back onto. The, the proper tracks. So I think I really think there is a problem in the midfield because I do think they go too much attack and there's too much midfield. But Bradley's more defensive minded, and then you have Vasquez who's more offensive minded. So who's in that middle in the middle of a transition? I would say almost nobody. So so um, Seattle's. I mean uh, Toronto's middle, the midfield is going to be a huge issue. What about Seattle's perspective? What do you think? Is it going forward? I mean, defensively, they're, sh- they're strong. Obviously, we talked about Alonso not being there, but they do have Swenson, the Swedish, uh, to come in and, and, and create havoc in, in the role of Alonso. But to be honest, think? I think it's really hard to find a weakness at, on Seattle, to be honest with you. I think it's really hard. I'm I'm thinking about it right now. Their offense is potent when you have a guy like Clint Dempsey, you have Lodero, uh, you have Joven Jones, you have all the, all these guys. I, I it's really tough to see um, if honest with you, I I would say that team almost has very few weaknesses. To be to be 100 percent honest. Yeah. Well, um, sorry. I'm gonna just I'm just scrolling through Twitter and I just saw a picture from Brian Strauss. The fans are lighting it up. Red flare going left and right. The, it, the police are out. Um, side note, do you think there is hate among these clubs? I don't think it's hate. I think you spot hit it right on the head. It's dislike. I dislike you for this. It's kind of like the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. I hate to use a basketball analogy, but I don't think the guys hate each other. I think they're all friends. Well, and I think they dislike each other. I, I, mean, I mean, the reason why I asked this question, we have Greg Vanny audio right here. Uh, he was asked about Brian Smetra. It's just a weird quote he gives because he's really reluctant to praise him. But listen in. For, uh, for Coach Vanny, I just wonder whether you could uh, comment on your Seattle counterpart and whether you think Brian is... Uh, afforded the national recognition he deserves based on his achievements with that team. It's tough. It's tough to say, honestly, because uh, I don't, as my uh, fellow reporters here know, I don't read a lot of stuff, and and I, so I don't follow a lot of how much people are talking about one thing or another. So I, I don't have an opinion on that. Uh, what I would say is he's done a phenomenal job since he's taken over as the head coach. Uh, he's obviously been able to get the, that group of guys to really compete. And um, and on some great runs last year to, to get to the final and, and accomplish what they were have been able to accomplish, they turned around this year and had a, a solid season and are right back in the final again. So uh, you know, kudos to him. He's done a great job with this group. He really knows that team. He knows those players well, and, and he's able to get a lot out of them. And so um, you know, how much recognition he gets, I'm not quite sure, but I, I think he deserves obviously credit for what he's been able. So I mean, Vanny gives credit, right? But it just feels it was it was very manufactured in his response. Yeah, he's good. You see what he did last year, but I feel like you know, Vanny's like, why are you bothering giving me this question, right? You know, you can feel from the Toronto perspective, it's almost like Seattle has Toronto's perspective. I mean, it's a number, right? The the historic trend with a four one one with the last couple of games. On the road in Toronto, like, you know, Seattle's kind of dominated them. You have 2016 MLS Cup. It's almost like Seattle is Toronto's big brother. 
<laughs> Big no, brother. seriously. I, I mean, it, it's like, eh, it's cute. Spend the money on Giovinco, Michael Bradley, Josie out the door. Oh. We're Seattle. We're going to walk in here. We're not going to score. We're not even going to take a shot on goal. And we're going to drag this out the penalties. We're going to win MLS Cup. And we're going to come back, and we're going to do it all over again. That's what it feels like. This is what I feel like it's going to come to. I mean, yeah, you do bring a very valid point. It looks like Toronto just struggles against Seattle. And I think a lot of teams have struggled against Seattle. But Toronto, I think it's frustrating. You know? You get, it is. It's Greg Vanny, coach of the year, was he asked? Um, he's basically asked to give praise towards uh, Coach Schmetzer. And I, I think people are, I think a lot of people, to be honest, do have underestimated Greg Vanny. In the media, at least, from what I've heard, a lot of people are like, blah, 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 this, blah, blah, blah. I think Greg Vanny showed that he's a very great coach. Oh, he's MLS he, what, coach of the year, manager from, of the from year. What, from what he did against Columbus, I think that just defined everything. The yeah. adjustments he made, he said, all right, I screwed up starting the game. Let's make some adjustments. And he made the proper adjustments. I do not – Schmetzer, let me tell you something. Schmetzer is probably MLS coach of the year for the last two years. And in my he is. Opinion. I mean, remember, remember where Seattle were – in 2016, they were near the Rock bottom, bottom of the lead. Rock bottom. And he took them. And he's like the soccer dad. Like, his, the way he is just with the glasses, the way he The nicest himself. guy. The yes. nicest yes. guy yes. I've yes. ever uh, sat down at a press conference with. One of the nicest guys. I'm, let me tell you something. And that calm demeanor, I feel like, just goes through the squad. When he gets fired up. He can get fired up if he wants to. But he's a very calm guy. And he knows what he's talking about. He used to be, I think, one of the coach of the old uh, NASL Sounders. So, I mean... There you go. I mean, I hate it's, it's a great coaching matchup. It so. is. It's a great coaching matchup. Uh, I hate to be that guy, but we're going to take a break here because Steve Gennaro is calling in. Alden Sports Talk gave us the audio of uh, Bradley and Vanning, so thanks to him. But we're going to get him on the line. He's going to be live from Toronto. So, yeah, we're going to get an update on the weather and uh, get his perspective, especially from the Toronto. Listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast.
You are listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Joining us live from Toronto, BMO Field, is Steve Gennaro, all in sports talk. How's it going, Steve? That's good, guys. How are you guys doing out there? Great. Good. We are. Um, maybe we just want to ask you, because we talked about this earlier, weather conditions. It's cold. What, what, what's going on up there? Actually, surprisingly, the weather, uh, I, don't, I don't think, will be a factor today. Yesterday, it was very cold, very windy at BMO Field. There was snow. There was some concerns about that. I have to say, it's actually quite uh, warm here at BMO Field. We're a little bit above zero, which is uh, better than we thought it was going to be, or a little bit above whatever, like 32 or 33. Yeah, 32. Yeah, a little bit above that, your temperature. So there was a concern <laughs> that it was going to be b- uh, below zero to start, plus the wind chill. Plus, there were really swirling winds yesterday. I mean, the flags were just ripping around. Uh, today, I'm, I'm here at BMO. I'm all layered up, you know, as need be. But I, I don't think I'm going to need that extra layer because the wind is not uh, an issue at the moment. And there's no snow at the moment. And we're, uh, we're above the freezing point. So it looks like we'll have a good game without any weather concerns. Okay. How's, that, how's the atmosphere around the stadium right now? Oh, actually, well, I, I, I'm up in the in the press score right now, so there's a lot of uh, people, uh, you know, sort of bubbly, getting ready for, for for the match itself. The stadium is already, the gates are already open. People are already starting to file into the stadium, but most of the atmosphere is actually just across the, the train tracks. It was called Liberty Village. Over there, there's a series of bars uh, where all the supporters usually spend their time before the match, and then there's a large march that comes from there across the tracks over to the stadium, and that will be taking place very shortly. And then you'll you know the atmosphere will, will take it to another notch. But there's there's a buzz in the city this morning. You can feel the buzz all the way down. TFC flags on people's cars, on people's houses. You know, uh, even, uh, you know, soccer is not necessarily the number one sport in the media here. In fact, it's a little bit too far down the, the, the totem pole or the pecking order. But it's been getting a lot of mainstream coverage over the last uh, 24 hours, too. So, yeah, I would say the atmosphere as a whole is really good right now. Let me, let me ask you, Steve. I, I don't want to get you in trouble because I know ESPN's covering the game. But why the hell is this game not in primetime? <laughs> Uh, uh, I think that last year the game took place uh, in in the evening and I think moving it to the 4 o'clock start is actually a little bit better for the players and it's a little bit better for for the supporters or for the fans as well. You know, it gets very dark once the sun goes down. Uh, and also, obviously, with that comes a lot of cold as well. So I think temperature-wise, it's a little bit nicer to have it earlier in the evening. Uh, I'm not sure why else, uh, what they're concerned about competing against. I mean, it's on a Saturday, so you're not dealing college football right now at this moment you're not dealing with high school football and you're really not going head-to-head with the nfl as long as you keep it on the saturday so sure. uh, that's the only, that all, all i can really think of is like head coach greg Benny said that they were happy that it was a four o'clock start uh versus the the eight the, the eight o'clock start do you think that's actually a, well go ahead Armand. yeah actually i think it's because the heisman uh the heisman trophy presentation for the best college football players actually around seven and i uh espn has a best a huge uh I guess show in, well it show uh, around around the Heisman, so I'm, I'm assuming that's why it's not in prime time. Because I mean, it got good ratings last year when it was in yeah. prime time. 
Yeah, that make, that that that, make, that makes sense. But I think at some point in time, if you look at the growth of MLS soccer, its television numbers over the last uh, four years, it's the only uh, professional sports league out of all the majors to continue to grow at a rate I think over thirty five percent for four consecutive years. Yeah. And so at some point in time, they're going to need to be able to just sort of buckle down and and go toe to toe with with the the you know the big boys. And I think that that would be beneficial to them, especially throughout the playoffs. These midweek games on Tuesday nights or Wednesday nights to try mm. and avoid NFL, I think, are really uh, in, in the long term detrimental to the brand. But as the brand continues to grow and the league grows, uh, I think you'll start to see it go head to head a little bit more often with with the major sports. And uh, you know, tonight they're going at four o'clock, but I think everybody here is pretty happy that's a four o'clock start versus the, uh, the 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 later start from last year. Well, let's talk about the game. What do you what do you expect Toronto to, to do here? Uh, do you think they're going to go all out on attack, or do you think it's going to be sloppy? Uh, Fry came out saying they want to control the game. Very, you know, they want to do. Well, I wouldn't call it. They want to just hold. The, the defensive shape and kind of just kill the game, almost park the bus in a sense, it feels like. Well, I think that's been Seattle's game plan uh, consistently. It worked last year for them, so why not continue to work the same way? Uh, to me, I think the, the the game will be decided early on in that if Toronto City can find their, find their way to come out and play open, expansive football, play to their strengths, use the advantage of Josie while early, Early on, he's healthy and is, re- is ready to play. Use Sebastian Javinko, Victor Vasquez, play expansive football, multiple mm. touches, mm. you know, and be aggressive and force force the, the, the game to Seattle. If they find an early goal, I think everything changes at that point. You know, Toronto FC, their record when scoring the first goal is uh, incredible. Seattle's record when conceding the first goal is not very good. I tweeted it out if you want to see it uh, on my handle, at underscore Estudero, some of those stats. And I think that playing on the front foot would be beneficial to them. But when you talk to the head coach defensively, they want to keep compact themselves. They really don't want to give Seattle anything. They would rather be the team that you saw against Columbus that give, you know that doesn't concede a goal. They would rather be the team that you saw against the Red Bulls where they're holding their shape and playing tough defensive uh, football. And if we look across you know, the, the course of uh, 2017, you might be surprised, but Toronto's actually been the better team defensively versus Seattle in just about every single category when it comes to defensive metrics. So... TFC can play that style of football. I, I would prefer to see them play on the front foot at home. I think the fans here, the crowds here will get antsy with every minute that passes. Uh, if the game stays nil-nil and looks like it could find its way to extra time or to penalties again. Mm-hmm. Having said that, having said that, guys, for all the talk of penalties and of last year's match that went to the penalties where Seattle won, you know, earlier this season, Toronto went to Seattle and they won in Seattle, which is not easy to do. They won without Javinko playing in that game. They won the game one nothing, and they won with Josie Altidore scoring on a penalty shot. So, I mean, <laughs> if you go down and you look at the stats, you look at the metrics, you look at the history of these two teams, really anything is possible. I I, I could see 4-1 for Toronto FC. I could sure. see 2 nothing for, for for Seattle. And I think both those are, are very uh, realistic score lines. It's just a matter. I think whoever gets the first goal, whoever's going to be brave and daring, that will be the key. And, and look at Stefan Frey and, and Alex Bono are two of the five best goalies in the history yeah. of MLS Cup playoffs as far as goals conceded, as far as shutouts, as, uh, as far as, you know, um, um, you know um, keeping opposing teams off the score sheet. So uh, it will be a defensive match. I, I do believe that. But I do think that the, the offensive weapons of Toronto, they have three players who score a goal less, uh, you know, once every 185 minutes or less. Uh, Josie Altador, Sebastian Javinko, and Tosain Ricketts all in MLS playoffs to score score goals every 180 minutes or less. And Seattle doesn't have a single, pl- single player in that metric. So uh, I think it's to Toronto's advantage to push the pace, to push the tempo, and to play open, expansive football, especially at home. Having said that, easier said than done against a good team like the Sounders. No, absolutely. Yeah, we, we totally agree, especially of how good the Sounders have been. But who's a player 
for Toronto that we should be uh, uh, on the watch for? I mean, obviously we have Javinko, Outdoor, and Bradley, but is there anyone else that uh, we should keep our eyes out for uh, during the match? I think the obvious one is Victor Vasquez. You know, uh, you know, new to this year, probably should have been the newcomer of the year, and I know mm-hmm. that people will argue differently. But, you know, this season, uh, Vasquez was involved in 11 game-winning goals. That's the second most ever in a single season in MLS history. 11 game-winning goals, five goals, six assists. And he wasn't even on this roster last year. So in that final game that, were, that ended nil-nil after 120 minutes where Toronto was the better team across 120 minutes but just couldn't find a way to get it to the back of the net, they were missing a player like him who could create from the middle. And I think that that could cause... A a lot of uh, problems for a Seattle team who's you know missing uh, missing Alonzo. I think that that will make a difference. Certainly, you got guys like Marshall still at the back who are you know experienced MLS Cup experienced winners. Uh, you know, but at the same time, not having a guy like Alonzo back there could. Uh, could be a, a problem for them, especially if, uh, you know, again, Vasquez, he, he can be the straw that stirs the drink and he can be the guy that really makes it happen in the midfield and he can score and he can set goals up. And so I, I, I look for him to have a game. One thing on Javinko, guys, across Javinko's career in MLS, uh, he scores a brace or, uh, or better uh, basically once every uh, almost eight and a half games. And so the last time he scored two goals in a match was August 27th of this season against Montreal. So he's actually due for a multi-goal game. The question is whether wow. whether it will come today or not. Yeah. Oh, is this a bold prediction? Were you getting a bold uh, prediction from Steve here? I, well, I mean, I, I've been on air a couple of times this week, and I've said I think I think Serrano gets an early goal, and I think they probably open up and win. You know, it, I, I said four one, and I think I'm going to stick to it. And I think Javinko gets, wow, Javinko wow. gets a brace today. Having said that, guys, just downstairs, I just spoke to Drew Carey, and uh, Drew Carey thinks it's going to be two nil for the Sounders, and he says that Dempsey's going to get at least one. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I understand that it's uh, you know how you see the game or where you come from affects who you pick. Sure, but, uh, sure. If we if, if we look at the course of the last. Uh, seven months. There just hasn't been a team we've ever seen that's been this good in Major League Soccer. It's not just the Canadian Championship. It's not just the 69 points. It's the fact that in every single game, they've gone out to, to win the game and they've won it and they've, they've got the points regardless of what the match looked like. If it was a gritty brawl fight like it was against New York, if it was a you know a tight defensive sort of Chelsea type of uh, performance like they did against Columbus, or whether it was uh, you know one nothing away at Seattle like we saw earlier this year, or 5-0 at home against Columbus earlier this season, we've seen this team win a variety of different ways. I think that they're poised and ready to do the same today. Are you, are you aware that the last time we've had back-to-back rematches, it's always been the team that won first to go on, so... Uh, L.A., Houston, back-to-back, L.A. won it, and then Houston over New England, back-to-back. Here's Houston both won it. Do you think last year has any implication on this year as far as maybe mindset or even just tactically, weather-wise, or just any of that? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Houston 06, 07, L.A. uh, in 11 and 12, the last times we've had the the rematches in both times. Like you said, the winner of the first has won the second. But I can give you a a stat in a different direction, right? Seattle hasn't given up a a goal the entire uh, playoffs, MLS playoffs. That's only ever ever happened three times in the history of MLS playoffs. And two of the teams that did that lost in the MLS Cup final. So, I mean, like, we can keep keep picking them from from a variety of different places. I think last year's game... Um, it, it is actually a benefit to Toronto FC in that they they know what it's like to be there, to have the opportunity to close it out and to not get the job done, even though they're the better team. And that's going to sit with them. And when the time comes, you know, to 
to, to sit in or to push on. I think they'll push on. At the same time, Seattle's been so loose this week. They really have a swagger to them. They re- they believe that they're the better team and they can come and get the job done again. And that can work for you. That can work against you. I think no, I think no matter what we get, whether we get a 1-1 that goes to extra time, whether Seattle wins 2-0 like Drew Carey said, or Toronto gets an early goal and then really opens them up, I think it's going to be a great game for, for everybody watching, especially for the neutral. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today, Steve. Um, can you give us a shameless plug so uh, we can find we can find we can find you on Twitter throughout the match? And, yes. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm I'm at underscore S Gennaro on Twitter, and uh, I'm with All in Sports Talk. So at All in Sports Talk, uh, I'll be tweeting. I've been tweeting all day up until the match, and I'll tweet until kickoff, and I'll be back again after kickoff or after the end of the match as well, um, with with some links to places where you know TV or radio where I'll be doing some post game. But I generally don't tweet in the match itself. So for people who want to follow live in game tweeting of the match, you can follow the handle at All in Sports Talk, and that's usually done by someone else at the station other than myself. Normally during the match, I'm I'm, I'm I'm deeply watching X's and O's, drawing out uh, graphs and charts and stuff like that. So I don't tweet so much during the match, but in the lead up and afterwards, at underscore S Gennaro. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, I was going to say, tweet at Steve if the scoreline goes belly up, you know. His prediction's 4-1, so uh, all you Sounders fans out there, get after yeah. it. <laughs> get after <Yeah>. it. <laughs> all, all right, right thanks guys. again, thanks. Steve. Enjoy the game. Yeah, cheers. Listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Soccer Podcast. Now joining us for the Seattle perspective, we got Sounders at heart uh, writer Spencer Davies. He's actually live also from BMO Field. Spencer, how are you doing today? Pretty good. A little chilly, but pretty good for the most part. <laughs> yeah, we, we just got off a buddy uh, of ours. Uh, maybe you probably would have run into him if you're at BMO Field. His name's Steve Gennaro, but he covers Toronto. So now we got the Seattle perspective. What are your thoughts about this game? Back to back. Fan base must be excited. 
kind of yeah. you know, reconfirm or you know confirmation of last year is not a fluke? Yeah, you know, this is something that we've been talking about a lot this week, and it was especially based off of the, the press conferences that happened earlier this week, is that there was a really distinct difference between the vibe of the Sounders and Toronto press conferences, um, whereas Toronto was kind of very tight and cold, and they were, were very serious, and uh, especially Altador. Altador was very, like, curt and just very... You know, he can be a, little, a lot more boisterous, and he definitely wasn't. And Vanny mm. was was kind of similar. He was he was just very reserved, and he was very serious about it. And he was he's clearly been kind of trying to get into Brian Schmetzer's head. Um, whereas with the Sounder stuff, like this is one of the only times I've ever seen Clint Dempsey in a media situation where he was like laughing and joking and very relaxed. Whereas anytime we even ask for him at practice or after a game, he's usually very serious and curt and just like. He's normally never this loose. And so the fact that the Sounders, you know, kind of were laughing and joking and, you know, it, it showed a confidence, but it also showed that the pressure is not really on them. The pressure, I think, is on Toronto because if the Sounders do lose, like they will have lost of one of the best, probably one of the best MLS teams ever um, who dominated all season long. Whereas if Toronto loses, you know, it, it'll kind of cement that they can go so only go so far with the team despite how good they are. Sure. And so I think the pressure is truly on them to get a result here. And if the Sounders don't get a result, like they can still hang their heads high, you know, put their heads high and walk out because they did, they had a great season. They got really far. They've already won it. You know, they, they don't really have anything to prove, I don't think. Um, I know that I'm sure some in, in some aspects they do want to show that it wasn't a fluke last year, but I really don't. I don't think there's as much pressure on them to get a result um, as it is for Toronto. Who do you think the key player is for Seattle in this match? Yeah, you know, I think um, it's going to come down to defense. And so I'm going to say Chad Marshall, which uh, a lot of people might not say. A lot of people might uh, pick Ladero or Dempsey, even Christian Roldan. Um, but I think stopping Toronto's attack will be the number one goal here. I, I don't think it'll go to penalties again. I have a... a have a feeling that it won't go to penalties again but i have a feeling the seattle defense um can hold strong if they continue to play as well as they have all season so i'm going to say the key player uh, defense as a whole but chad marshall especially because i i think a lot of a lot of mls fans and and maybe neutrals coming into this game recognize that chad marshall's one of the best defenders in mls still even if he doesn't get all the awards so i think it'll come down to if he can help contain giovinco and altador I think the crazy thing is we're not talking about Ozzy Alonso being out, and I think it's credit to how mm-hmm. this team this team has come around uh, Gustav Svensson and also how they've played without Ozzy Alonso. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the team really missing Al- Alonso? I mean, I don't think they are. But I mean, are they? I mean, I feel like maybe mm-hmm. like leadership wise potentially on the field. But I mean, outside of that, I don't feel like they're missing him that much at all. They really aren't missing him on the field. I don't think like as you saw throughout the playoffs, like they can do a lot without him and. And even though he's a very important player, he's very important, like you said, leadership-wise, I think this team is mature enough, and, and guys like Christian Roldan have enough experience at this point. Last year, it helped Roldan immensely to be next to Alonso all season. He wouldn't be the player he is without being next to Alonso for a whole season. But uh, this year, I don't think he necessarily needs that. I think that, that Roldan is a very mature and experienced player himself right now. And then you take that with a guy like Svensson, who probably plays next to him. He... He's got another experienced player there, too, who can do other things. And two very dynamic midfielders um, can really fill that that gap. Because even though Alonso is, is a very important player, 
I don't think they miss him that much now. I some people have even speculated he may not come back next season, which would be seems a little wow. crazy, but um, you know he has been around for a very long time and he he played an extremely important role last year and he's played an important role this year. But I think we've seen in the last few games that his influence is not as um, necessary as it once was. Uh, speaking of. Um guys injuries and whatnot coming off mm-hmm. injury we have jordan morris now back in the uh in the uh i guess the, the lineup for, mm-hmm. uh, at least what role should we expect uh, morris to play in this cup match you know i think we we got in this question a bit at sounder at heart and we were talking on a facebook live last night about that and that um i think it's highly unlikely we see him at all before the 60th minute um everybody that, that i've kind of talked to about this kind of thinks it's going to be around the 75th minute if they're chasing a goal. Um, if the centers are up a goal um, or up a couple goals, I don't see them risking him, um, except for maybe a very late appearance for, you know, just to bring some fresh legs on to, to a tired defense or something like that. But um, if they're just holding on to a lead, I'm not sure if Morris will play a part. I think if they're chasing a lead, he will definitely play a part, maybe earlier rather than later even in the mm. second half. But... Mm. Um, I would say before the 60th minute is unlikely at this point. I had a question. Do you think is it, the factor of Dempsey not lifting the cup? You said he was very loose. Do you think? Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's any play into that for for him? And and from from Toronto's perspective, mm-hmm. do you think, as you said, they're under a lot of pressure. Who mm-hmm. is the player that Seattle needs to stop most? Um. That Seattle needs to stop most. Yeah, I mean, who's that? The single player that you think t- Toronto could have? Because I've seen reports. Yeah. It's Michael Bradley. Mm-hmm. Some say it's Giovinco. Some say it's, it's just yeah. you know, it's just they're so good, top to bottom. It's just kind of mm-hmm. has to be a, a collective effort. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would say, even though he, he might not have been extra- as extraordinary as he has at times in, in recent weeks and recent games, even though he's still been very good. I think Giovinco still one of if not the best you know ever to play in this league so i think no matter what he has to be contained like even if even if you know other players are in good form even if Alton are in good form and bradley's boston midfield i think giovinko is still the number one threat like in any way like i i, I think in any game he plays right now he's going to be the number one threat you know yeah no absolutely um we got final question here. We're going to let you go. I'm mm-hmm. sure you're, you're busy over there. Ex, uh, prediction for this game. You said Seattle's no pressure. We just discussed Toronto, all the pressure. Do you expect this game to be tight as last year's, or do you expect you know it to be yeah. a little bit more open? It's kind of crazy because coming into that game, I was certainly not feeling great about the Sounders' chances. Mm. Um, but... Um, this year, I feel more confident about the Sounders' chances, which I'm. We're saying like I hope that's not some sort of curse that it's going to flip it around or something like that. That because I was not feeling confident they won, and if I'm feeling confident then they don't win, that's is kind of an interesting thought. But uh, honestly, I think my gut tells me that a two to one win sounds very reasonable um, for the Sounders. Um, but yeah, it's. It's it's so hard. I, I think this game will be much more open than the last one for sure. Alrighty, uh, Spencer, thanks thanks for thanks for joining us quickly. I know you're a busy guy. We know you have uh, BMO Field uh, is right right behind you. Uh, can you just give yeah. us uh, <laughs> can you just give us your Twitter handle and where you can find you? Like a shameless plug of sorts. Shameless plug. 
Yeah, I'm always down for a shameless plug. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at at Spencer Davis, S-P-E-N-S-E-R-D-A-V-I-S. And you can follow along with uh, at Sounder at Heart, Twitter.com slash Sounder at Heart. Is, you can do that or just go to Sounder at Heart.com and we'll be, I'll be posting a recap after the game. We'll be tweeting uh, highlights and uh, in-game stuff during the match and probably a little bit more stuff afterwards as well. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Spencer. Enjoy thanks, the Spencer. game, and uh, we'll see what happens here. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Woohoo! Coming here to a close, Armand. What a show. It's gone of- by really fast, to be honest with you, man. Oh, man. I mean, we talked to Jeff, Steve, Spencer, Toronto, Expansion. Oh, I didn't even get to my segment. I wanted to talk about MLS playoff ratings, TV ratings, because something we've discussed on the show. This isn't going to happen. But we got some questions here from uh, Brian and Ethan. They've been. Working the internet, working the social media, brilliant. Yeah, sh- hey, shout out to them, man. Shout out to them. Yes, Without them, listen. Sure I recommend listening to their podcast, Devil's Advocate Podcast, Badger Podcast Network. Yep. You could find it there, SoundCloud. Uh, you look at them, them up there. But uh, you got some questions you want to ask? Yeah, we have a few questions from the people out there on the Twitter. Um, a lot of them uh, kind of brush up on what we talked about with Spencer and Steve, but they really want to know your guys' opinion on it. Um, yeah. One of them was. Who do you think the key player is to focus on um, for success for both teams in this game? Yes. Uh, biggest player for me is Michael Bradley from Toronto's perspective. I think that middle has to be – he has to have a good game. And then from Seattle's perspective, I think Fry has to have another good game in that. I think – we. I know everybody has different opinion, but I just think Fry if, – if the goal – if Toronto start to have a lot of shots in goal and Fry keeps them out, guess what happens, Armand? Toronto starts what? to have that sinking feeling of last year all over again. Exactly. Ah, uh, damn it. Um, so is it important players for Seattle? I would have to go with Roman Torres. Uh, he played. He dude. This guy's had one hell of a year. Think about it. Yeah. Go, go, tell every, tell the listeners. Before the year he started, he won MLS Cup on the game winning penalty. Um, Pan, he helped Panama qualify for the World Cup with his game winning goal. That knocked now out the US. Now he's in the MLS Cup final. It's gonna be. I think it's up to him. He's gonna. Have, if he has a great performance, I think Seattle's set. All righty. Well, next question here. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next question we got is, uh, what's your guess on the result for this game? What do you guys got for a scoreline? I, you know, I, I just don't see. It. I, I think I. It's funny things. Uh, ESPN on Instagram released a stupid video with you know the EA Sports prediction. Guess who is playing, Armand? Guess what player they had playing in this predicting? Alonso, he wasn't even going to play. So that, but the prediction two one. I see a two one game. I think you'll see a couple of goals and from both sides. But who wins? Who wins? Uh, whoever gets second second goal. <laughs> what the? Okay, all right. I'll I'll be I'll be more straight up. 
Seriously, I, predictions, I, predictions are I, hard. I really believe Toronto will win this match. Like I said, even though I think Seattle almost has no weaknesses, I think it'll just be Toronto's attack that overwhelms them in the end. Um, I do think Toronto will win the match. I'm, I'm going to go with the prediction of a high-scoring affair, 3-2. Oh, God, right. I would die for that. Oh, woohoo! 3-2 extra time. That'd be oh, a great game. Ooh, extra time? Yes, yes. I'll yes, put it yes. in there. Um, uh, going off of Toronto, I guess, um, if Toronto goes up, uh, do you think that they're going to sit back more or are they going to keep pressing? What do you guys think? Oh, I think I think they'll go get a second goal. I think, they, but, I think but, you have to. They have to because if Seattle score, remember, this, it's a final, no away goal. I know we're in Toronto. Shout out back to my buddy down in Dallas, Matt. There is no away goal. No away goal. Yep. So yep. we, you think you would think Toronto would sit back, but I think that plays into Seattle's hands. No, actually, you know what? I think playing defensively would play into more Toronto's fans, and here's why: I don't think Seattle has has the ability to necessarily break down Toronto like Toronto has ability to break down Seattle. No, I agree. First off, I want to apologize, listeners. My dog's kind of barking in the background, but um, <laughs> uh, but uh, man, I really think Toronto has to get a second goal. If he doesn't get a second goal, if they don't get a second goal, I think Seattle will put on the pressure for them. Um, you got You got You. I think any team should go on and put on a, put a second goal up. I don't think you sit back defensively. Yeah, yeah. All right, we got another question here. All right. So in this game, uh, who do you guys think comes on for subs? Like we got some predicted lineups. We don't have. Uh, anything for sure, but if you guys had to pick a, a super sub for either team, what do you guys got? I'll let Armand take this question first. <laughs> Are we talking subs? Yeah, super subs. What do you got? Super subs. Super subs. Oh, that's tough. Ah, oh, man, that's tough. Um, honestly, if you're Seattle, you, you're. I mean, if you're Seattle, obviously I'd look towards Jordan Morris. Uh, bringing him on, I think, would be um, is if they're down the chasing, they need that goal. Jordan Morris can provide that spark. Uh, Toronto. Um, if they need a goal, I would have to go Jonathan Osorio. Uh, the, the, he's a Canadian native and, you know, homegrown player from the area. I, I say if if he can come on and score a goal, I think it would be a pretty magical moment. Yeah, you think so? Oh, absolutely. I I, I don't know these super subs because I think it, it's so dependent. On are the, the lineups even out yet? I don't think they I, are. I'm, Google, I'm trying to look for it. I haven't seen a single thing, but it's – it's about an hour from game time, you I know. Our lineup's half an hour. By the way, um, to our listeners who are not familiar with MLS, this game is not starting at 3 p.m. Just letting you know. <laughs> this game is – or Central Time. It's not starting at 3 p.m. Uh, nope. It's probably going to start at 3.15, 3.20 in my opinion. Yeah. So. Well, I haven't seen any lineup, so, well, there's that. I wish they, we... they released the lineups an hour before the match, so. Yeah, well, I guess that's, we're going to end here in a couple of minutes. That's where it's going to go. But we got one more question. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And I think it's a pretty fitting question for the end of this as we come to a close. Yes. Uh, the last question we have here, regardless of the result, do you see either of these teams back in the tournament next year in the final? Oh, a three, a three, P, a three yeah. rematch? Wow, that's... Man, that's 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 a really tough question. Um, Steven, do you want to take this? I'll, I'll or do take you want me to... this. Toronto, I'll more, Toronto, more so than uh, Seattle. But 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 Steve Gennaro, we had on in our uh, what twelve days ago when we were talking about the conference semifinals, like two. He said that if Toronto loses, they're thinking about blowing it up. Remember, he he had that little bit of a nugget there. In, in yeah, he did. So whatever that um, means. 
Um, my hot sports take of the day. Um, I think Seattle's more likely to show up than Toronto, mainly because we, I think Atlanta will be a lot better than they were this year. They started off kind of sluggish. They didn't have Martinez for a lot of the year. They also got screwed with those like those last eight eight games in what twenty days or something like that. It was mm, ridiculous. Mm, mm. So as a as someone who uh, uh, who's, who's been watching MLS for a long time, I do expect I, I do expect a different team from the East to make it out to MLS Cup. Now Seattle next year, I don't know, man. I don't know. It depends on some additions going on here and there. Might be my team FC Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Just no, gotta no. throw it in there, no, or uh, yeah, sure. or maybe LAFC if they add something. Yeah, so we'll, who knows? We'll I mean, who knows? Listeners, follow us on Twitter, Unc Sam Soccer Pod. Massive shout out to Bryant and Ethan. Check out their podcast, Devil's Advocate Podcast, on the Badger Podcast Network. Stephen Jordan, Amon Kafai, thank you so much for joining us. On thank this you, guys. Interview. Game time's about an hour away. We hope you guys can get out to a watch party. I know Armand and I are going to do that. T- follow us. Tweet, tweet us. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we were completely wrong. Tweet us. Maybe you liked the show. Maybe you hated the show. I don't know. Just tweet us. Let us. We would like to hear your opinions. So yeah, we might again. do it again. So yeah, if this was a success, we'll definitely do this in the, in, as uh, another project. But uh, thanks again, listeners. We appreciate it, and uh, have a wonderful evening. new wake-up go-to's mean you never have to choose between breakfast meats again now you can get a wake-up wrap with bacon and a wake-up wrap with sausage for three dollars that's savory and sweet crispy and spicy it's everything you love about breakfast for three dollars wake up your day with new wake-up go-to's get two egg and cheese wraps for two dollars or mix and match your favorite meats with two bacon ham sausage or turkey sausage wraps for three dollars america runs on duncan participation may vary exclusion apply limited time offer Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.